God is teaching us how to push forward. And so P church is for purity. And the U church was for unity. And on this Sunday church, the S is for sanctify. Amen. In order to push forward, amen, we have to sanctify our lives. Amen. And so the scripture that I want to start with, amen, you don't have to go back, Brother Marcus, you can keep it on that slide. The scripture I want to start with is Job 2 and 15, amen. I say, God, you got me preaching out of Job. I say, some of you folks probably didn't even know Job was in the Bible, <laughs> amen. But Job 2 and 15, and it reads, amen, and if you let it stand, you can see it. reads, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, amen. You can be seated. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify, that word. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. And so I'm here today to tell you that in order to push forward, pushing forward requires a call to sanctity. It requires holiness of life. It requires holiness in character. Right, and it calls for holiness in the spaces we occupy. And what I really want to deal with is that last part, that holiness in the space that we occupy, right? So right now you might be in a space and your space might not be the best environment for you to be in. Your space might not have, you might not be surrounded by people that's helping you grow or you might not be surrounded by people that have your best interests in mind or you might be in a dangerous environment or a bad neighborhood, whatever it is, a bad, whatever it is, whatever space you occupy, in order to, to press forward, something has to be sanctified, right? You got to bring the holiness into that space. You got to introduce God into that space. Right, you gotta set something aside for God in that space if you want to push forward. And so when I read Job 2 and 15, it kind of gives us the instructions for how to do that. Job 2 and 15 calls for the leaders to blow the trumpet. Right? Blow the trumpet. Why blow the trumpet? It's like you is you gotta make a sound. If you read the book of Joshua, when they marched around Jericho, the stronghold didn't fall because they were timid. God gave them the instructions to march, and then on that last day, he said what? He said, shout. Right? You got to make an announcement that this thing is getting ready to fall, that something is getting ready to shift. That devil, you got you to go. Like Satan, you got to leave. You got to make an announcement. You got to blow the trumpet, right? And after you blow this trumpet and after you make this announcement, what exactly are you announcing? It tells us to sanctify. It says call and set apart for a fast, right? Something got to be set aside. Something has to be cut off, right? Something got to, something has to shift, right? When you sanctify something, you're setting apart, right? Like where you can have all of this, but this space right here, I'm setting this thing right here aside for God. This belongs to him, right? Call and set apart, right? Call a fast, right? And then a solemn assembly. That word solemn means serious and sincere, right? So after you after you blow the trumpet, after you say this thing belongs to God, then you got to get in a meeting with him and you got to get serious, right? There's no solemn means there's no playing. Like, I, I'm not joking anymore. I'm dead serious, right? Right? You can hear a pin drop like, Lord, I'm in a space with you and I don't want to hear nothing but what you got to say. 
I don't want my cell phone on. I don't want Facebook to interrupt me, right? I'm in this place. I'm in this solemn assembly. Joel is giving us the instructions for how we sanctify the spaces in our lives. There comes a time when purity and unity and sanctity are called into action. Right? We can say those words, but if you don't call, like if you don't take the sermons that have been preached and call these things into action, right? Orthodoxy and orthopraxy, what you believe and what you do. You can say you believe all you want. You can say you believe in Jesus all you want. But until you start calling those things into action, until you start putting action, until you start sanctifying and setting things aside for God and making moves for God and saying, I ain't doing this no more. Then nothing can shift in your life. You can't push forward. There comes a time when these things have to be called in and, and called into action. And we are in a time such as this. That's why I've been preaching these messages. I'm trying to go higher. I'm trying to go further, further, well, further in Jesus. And the stuff I used to do in 2004 when I got saved won't work no more. It won't work no more. Because it's getting more difficult. Pastor Carter used to tell me, she say, son, I feel sorry for you. She say, because the people that you're going to have to preach to, the Bible says that in the last days, people's hearts are going to wax cold, right? They don't care what they don't care if you preaching. They don't care if you call them. If, if you are a pastor, they don't care if you married. Nobody has any more respect for the things of God and for holiness. So in order to push forward, you got to call those things back into action. You can't let everything slide. You can't let everything slide in your home. You can't let everything slide with your children. The world going to tell you you're being judgmental. The world going to tell you you ain't got to do all of that. But is the world going to save you on judgment day? Hallelujah. Joel 2 and 15 is calling these things into action. Right? But when we're making these announcements, who and what are we making them to? Right? Who is? Like, who are these things? What's, what, are we, what are we sanctifying? What are we consecrating to God? Who are we calling out to? We calling out to Jesus. Because if something is going to be sanctified, God is the only person that can do it. You can't take your children and say, be holy. You can't take your husband and your wife and say, be holy. You can't do it. You need God to do it. You need the Holy Spirit to do it. God can work through you to make those things come about. But you on your own, you're going to fail at that. You're going to fail at that. So when Joel is telling them to blow the trumpet, he's saying, make an announcement to God that, God, I'm on your side, that I'm going to set something aside for you, that I'm willing to meet with you, right? I'm willing to be serious. I'm willing to be sincere. I'm ready to be in assembly with you, right? And I'm ready for something to change in my life. And so here's the thought for this message. Here's the main thought for this mix. Sanctify your space. Sanctify your space. Make it sacred. Make it holy. Make it set apart. Consecrate it. Tell the enemy and everything that is unlike God, you cannot stay here. You cannot stay here. Declutter your life. Declutter your life. All the things that you think are important, are they going to be important when you stand before God? UPS don't care nothing about you. Dorney County School System don't care nothing about me. You got to sanctify your life. 
You got to declutter it. Everything that's not like God, everything that's drawing your attention, everything that's creeping into your prayer life, every idle thought, everything that keeps you from falling on your knees, everything that keeps you from opening your mouth, everything that keeps you from clapping your hands. You got to say, Lord, I belong to you. I'm blowing the trumpet today. You got to fast. You got to turn down the things that that you've been consuming that are really and truly consuming you. You got to turn down the things that you have been consuming because they really have been consuming you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to call a serious meeting with the things and the people of God. And I'm throwing this in there for my son in my sermon prayer. I'm talking about brother Ethan. When I said you got to turn down, right? Oh no, you got to call a serious meeting with the things and the people of God. I start thinking about the Avengers. If you've seen that movie, right? The name of the movie is Avengers Assemble, right? You got these superheroes, right? They they come together to fight these things that's attacking the earth, right? And it needs to be the same thing in the spiritual realm. Like at a certain point in your life, you got to say, everything that's not like you, God, you got to go. I want to be around the things and the people of God because they're going to help me defeat these strongholds. They're going to help me overcome these addictions. They're going to help me go towards my vision and my calling and my purpose, right? That's a solemn assembly. God told us last week, y'all like to hang out too much. Y'all like to be unified to people with people that don't mean you mean you no good, right? Now he's telling us this Sunday to call a solemn assembly. Get serious about your walk. I don't know why we like to try to stray away or we try to avoid the people that want to help us the most. We want to avoid the people that care about our soul, right? But them friends that don't mean you no good, they can always find you. You always pick up the phone for them. You always respond to the text. But once again, where them friends going to be on judgment day? The book of Job takes place right in the midst of a plague. It's a plague of locusts. And it's in the midst of a drought. And the imagery in this book is amazing, right? Um, and even though I'm saying imagery, this is not made up. I believe that this is a literal plague of locusts. If you don't know what a locust is, it's a big old grasshopper. Right? And I believe that when things like this happen in our life, when things like those tornadoes that come through Albany and things like COVID happen, I believe, right, that these events in life are to get us to recognize that we need God. So the, the events in the book of Job take place in the midst of a locust plague and in the midst of a drought, right? The Bible tells us that the whole earth is moaning under the weight of sin. Like, just like we want to be renewed and we want to be restored, the earth wants to be renewed and restored. The, the science is going to tell you it's global warming. And it might be. But what causes global warming? Sin. I agree. We want to ride around in the car. We want to drink out of plastic bottles. We want to have more than we can than we need. We abuse the earth. We we throw food away. We throw trash away. We litter, throw stuff, right? So the earth tell you it's global warming, but it's still sin. Because who causing the global warming is us? We sinful. And just like we want to be renewed, the earth wants to be renewed. 
And so when things like this happen, when these plagues and these tornadoes and these hurricanes and all of these things happen, it's a it's an opportunity for us to depend on God. I got in my notes the storm and all being into the I used to love the rain. I hate it now. I hate it now because when that tornado came through and ripped the house off my dining room and I'm in the middle of my hallway and there is no way possible for me to save my wife and kids. I don't have the strength. I don't know what to do. That scared me to death. I had no control. I had no control. The only thing I could do in that moment was call on Jesus. I will never forget that day. Now, that, that, that might not be your thing, but it might be somebody in here that's been in a car accident, and now you extra careful. It might be somebody in here that had COVID and was in the hospital, and now you extra careful. That's what, that, like, that, that, that mortality in us, those things that bring us close to death, they can be fearful, but, but they should not paralyze us. That fear should make us turn to God and say, God, I need you because without you, I'm lost. Yeah. That's the type of situation that the book of Joel is taking place in. They were in this situation because of disobedience and idol worship. We got to realize that we are a pilgrim people. Christians are a pilgrim people. That means that we are supposed to like we, we are not supposed to be set in a spot. Right. This is not our home. This earth is not our home. We are here temporarily. God desires to give us a home, right? Our security down here or up there should be in Jesus. I tell people all the time, if, if Jesus ain't in heaven, I don't want to be there. Y'all can keep. I want to be where he is. It's not about comfort, right? If you just trying to go to heaven because, oh, they're going to have streets with pay with gold and I want to see what that look like, then you got the wrong motive in mind. I want to be in heaven because that's where Jesus is. That's where my Savior is. Jesus is my home. Wherever he is, I'm at peace. That's why I say whether it's down here or up there, we got a desire to be where he is. But the problem is we often want to belong in places that we have no business in. That's why God is telling us to sanctify your space today. We often want to be in places that we have no business being in. Right? You want to go high on your job. What is it going to take for you to get there? You're going to have to sleep your way to the top. You're going to have to lie and cheat. You're going to have to let people lie and cheat without speaking the truth. Right? Is it going to take you away from your wife and kids? Is that more important? Right? You want that money, but what's it going to cost you? You want that recognition and that fame, but what it's going to cost you? Why y'all think so many rich people go crazy? Because that stuff doesn't solve anything. What is it going to cost you in the end? Like We want to be in these spaces, right? But the, the real, the best place to be, the best place to be is in the presence of God. And you can be in the presence of God in a prison cell. Ask Paul about it. Ask Joshua about it. Ask Jeremiah when he was in the miry clay. Wherever God is, that's the best place to be. Sanctify your space. Right? The people in the book of Joel, they are in this situation because they turn their backs on God. Right? Calamity followed. 
both the good and the bad suffered. Right? We get in these places because we turn our backs on God. Where did man start out? Man started out in the garden. We started out in paradise. Right? The very place that you want, you want to go when you leave here is where you came from. Came from glory, and you want to return to glory. That's, that, that's what God desires for us. But we desire to be down here. We desire to be worldly more than we desire to be like God. Right? They turn their back on God, and when you turn your back on God, nothing good can happen. Right? But even when bad things, even when calamity happens, calamity is often just a warning. And so I'm going to read these verses to y'all, and I want y'all to understand the imagery of what Joel 2 presents and how and why you have to sanctify your space. Because Joel is going to describe to you what happens when you do not sanctify your space. It describes what happens when you do not set yourself apart. It describes what happens when you're not united, when you're not serious, when you're not sincere about the things of God. Joel 2 and 1 tells us once again, right, it opens with an announcement. So there are two announcements in this book, right? The first one is in the first verse, and the second one is in the 15th verse. The first one says, blow you the trumpet sign and sound an alarm. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants, right? Let all the inhabitants come together. My paper got cut off, right? Second verse says, it will be a dark and gloomy day, a black and cloudy day. The great army of locusts advances like darkness, spreading over the mountains. There has never been anything like it, and there never will be again. That tornado in the hallway, on my hands and knees, with my wife and kids, I wasn't outside, but I can imagine the sky being black. And when you hear the sound of part of your roof getting ripped off and then all you hear is water rushing into the house, you thinking your life getting ready to come to an end, right? Right? But oftentimes, like with those storms, what do we hear outside, right? What do we see on the news before the storm comes, right? We see news in the tent. Get in your safe place. We see warning. Warning. God always gives a warning before destruction comes. The same thing works in the spiritual. He always gives. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't talk to her. Don't talk to him. Don't say that. He always gives a warning before destruction comes, right? Because when that day comes, it's going to be dark and gloomy. Imagine, right? I say, if you don't know what a locust is, it's like a black grasshopper, but... The, the word says it's a great army. Imagine how God can use something so small to bring people. Like he's not using missiles and bombs and tanks. He's using some bugs to bring these people to their knees. Y'all better stop playing with God. It don't take nothing for him. It don't take nothing for him. And somebody saying, well, that ain't the God I want to serve that got to make me go through all this pain. You got to wait till I get down to the rest of the book. That's the thing, y'all only read half the word. Not only does God warn us before destruction comes, amen, he tries to save us from it. In the midst of it, he tries to save us from it. Right? Judgment day is coming and the events of this sinful world and life is a reminder of that. Every time you turn on the news and you see something that has happened, it should be a reminder to you, right? Every time you turn on the news, a 15-year-old boy got shot. 
It should be a reminder to you. you instead of saying, oh, somebody else died, you should be saying, Lord, we need you. Right? The world has desensitized. We see so much stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's sad. And then we go on with our life like it never happened, like somebody didn't just lose their son or their brother or their husband. It should make us say, Lord, I need you. And not only do I need you, right? Other people need you. Let me share the good news. Judgment day is coming, and the events of this life are reminders of that. These events are like locusts. What you think killing one bug gonna do? What you think killing ten locusts gonna do? It was millions of them. You can't think that if I oof, if I just saw that if I just get married, everything gonna be all right. No, no. If I just get a little bit more money. You don't have enough strength to deal with everything that life is going to throw at you. You need a savior. You can't just stomp one thing and then leave the other 15 running around in your environment. You got to sanctify it and make it holy. Stop thinking you arrived. Stop thinking that there's nothing left for you to do on this journey. Oh, I've 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 been saved since I was seven. Like you ain't got nothing else to do. You better sanctify your space. These locusts, they covet everything and they affect everyone. And that's the thing about your sin. That's the thing, right? Everybody, you know, I say that they got in this situation because of their sin and they disobedience. It might have been somebody that was serving the Lord. But that's the thing. When you're surrounded by things and people that ain't living right, you can't expect, you cannot expect, eventually they mess going to get on you. If you in a house covered with crap, crap going get to get on you at some point unless you clean the house. It's going to rub off on you. At some point, you got to sanctify it. These locusts covered everything. Job 3 and 4 says they are like fire that eat up the plants. In front of them, the land is like the Garden of Eden, but behind them, it is in a barren desert. Nothing escapes them. That's why sometimes it seems like, oh, I see my blessing right over there, but you can't never get to it. Because you won't sanctify your space. It seemed like, right, it's like the land of Eden, everything you need, all God's provision is right before you. But these locusts come, these these little events, these things in your life, these people in your life, they come and they eat it up before you get there. And by the time you get there, you're like, but I thought it was going, I thought, y'all heard it, the the grass going to be greener on the other side. And this grass look just like the grass that I just left. You in a cycle. You are in a cycle and it ain't going to get no better until you sanctify your space, right? They look like horses and they run like war horses, right? So these little bitty bugs, and that's the thing, these things, those little bitty bugs in our life, when we're looking at them, they look gigantic. It's the same thing when they saw those giants in the promised land. Two people said we can take them. Everybody else said they too big. And that's the majority of us in our life. We see these things and they look like war horses and they look like they everywhere. And it looks like there's no way that we could possibly defeat these things. The Bible say they leap on top of mountains. That means even when you're at their highest, some coming for you. Even when everything going good, you're thinking like, I'm here now. I'm ready. God done did it. Something coming. Them locusts coming. And even when you're in the valley, 
the locust coming. What does that mean? You need an exterminator. You need somebody, whether you high or whether you low. Right? That's going to be there. That's going to show up. That's going to be able to eradicate everything that's coming against your life. And that person is Jesus. The word says that these locusts rattle like chariots. They crackle like dry grass on fire. They are lined up like a great army ready for battle. There are events in your life that's ready to take you out. There's, there's something waiting on you tomorrow that can, that's ready to take you out. It's by the grace of God that you're going to make it through the day, let alone tomorrow. Thank you, Lord. Joel 6 through 10 says, as they approach, everyone is terrified. Right? Everyone is terrified. Every first turns pale. They attack like warriors. They climb the walls like soldiers. They they all keep marching straight ahead. They do not change direction. Satan ain't stopping. You think he gonna stop? You think Satan gonna stop when you get married? Matter of fact, he intensifies. Because God loves marriage, Satan hates it. You think he gonna stop when you have a baby? No, the, the word says in Genesis that the enemy wants to do war with who sees. Lord, I thank you. This army just keeps marching. They swarm through the defenses. Nothing can stop them. They rush against the city. They run over the walls, right? They climb, right? You got these walls. You got these defenses. You got, you got these defenses put up so you won't get hurt no more. How that working for you? You say, I ain't, I ain't falling for that no more. I'm, I'm tough. How that working for you? Them locusts still get in. They still get in. They still get in. You might as well go ahead and surrender. I'm talking to the men and the women. You might as well go ahead and surrender. There's nothing that you can do that's going to stop life from being able to get to you. Hallelujah. The earth shakes as they advance. The sky trembles. You feel like your world is like I was in that hallway. You feel like your world is crumbling down. And it's only a fool that's standing in the middle of that and going to say ain't nothing wrong. Only a fool would stand in the middle of, of this sinful world and say, ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing I got to do. I'm straight. I don't have to change nothing. The Bible says you're a liar and the truth ain't in you. Oh, Lord. The sun and the moon grow dark and the stars no longer shine. And this is where it gets sticky, y'all. This where this way it gets theologically sticky in the eleventh verse. It says the Lord thunders commands to His army. What, Pastor? You mean God in control of all this stuff that's happening to me? You mean God control of these in control of these locusts? That ain't a God I want to serve. Why would God be in control of the locusts? Right, this is where your spiritual maturity got to come in, right? And I have in my notes, right? I have in my notes. That the consequences for sin was built in before the fall. Remember I told y'all the warning come before the storm. So while y'all mad that God controlling the locusts, you should have been mad because you were disobedient in the first place. God told you don't do it. You did it anyway. Now them locusts tearing you up and you want to say, God, why you sent the locusts? God, like I told you not to do, do this. Right? So God put the con. He told Adam and Eve, do not touch this tree for you will surely die. 
before they got in the situation. So it wasn't like they did something and then God said, I'm mad at you, now I'm about to kill you. No, he tried to prevent it from happening in the first place. But our disobedience sanctify your space. Right? We choose the lotus. But thank God for Jesus because why? You can also choose life. Just like you choose them locusts, you can choose life today. You got a choice. The locusts don't have to, the, the things of this life, the things of this world don't have to overrun you. You can choose life today. Thank God for Jesus. Right? The 14th verse says, right? Hallelujah. 2 and 14 says, who knoweth? Right? Who knoweth if he will return? Uh-uh. I'm going too far. Hold on. 12th verse. Therefore also say, now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning, right? Right? So even in the midst, God is saying, but even now, saith the Lord, if you repent. In the midst of everything going on, God is still saying, and you can be the worst person in this room on the day. You could be feeling filthy and dirty and nasty and everything else and you got too much baggage and such and such didn't happen. If people only knew it, you could be saying all them things. And God is saying right now, but even now, but even now, even today, even on this day in 2023, right now, not another moment, not another hour, not another second, but right now, even in this moment, repent sincerely and return to me with fasting and weeping, right? Fasting and weeping, what? Fasting just means lay something aside. Separate. Give up something. Give up something. Turn. Right? Sanctify your space. Declutter your life right now. Don't wait till you get home. Right now. You can be saying it right now while you on this seat. Right now, God, I receive what the man of God is saying right now. In this moment. Forgive me. You ain't got to wait to the altar call. You can be saying it in your heart right now. Lord, I thank you. Right? He says, and rend your heart and not your garments. Rend your heart. Rend your heart. That means tell your, like, like your heart, like have a broken heart. It's okay. Like cry out to him. Not your clothes. Y'all seen them people at the funeral lay all over the class and then rip their clothes up. But when their folks was alive, you mistreated them, right? So you trying to show how grieved you are, right? But your heart should have been broken when they was alive and you should have treated them better. Joe says, rend your heart. Thank you, Lord. And not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Right? Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him? Right? He's saying, who knows? How do you know that today ain't your day? How do you know if you would turn and repent today? How do you know that today is not the day that God going to say, I'm turning it around for Kiara. I'm turning it around for Taylor. I'm turning it around for Esau. How do you know that today is not the day? If you would just say, I'm sanctifying, right? The Bible is so many instances where the Bible is say, take off your shoes, right? Plant your feet on what? Holy ground. How do you know today is not the day? Lord, I thank you. And then I'm back at the top. After you have repented, God say, blow the trumpet. 
15 verse. The first time he say he blew the trumpet as a warning, right? The first time he blew the trumpet as a warning, he said, okay, now, y'all going to have to answer this. I'm blowing the trumpet. I'm trying to make you aware that the storm of life is coming. Once you see the storm is coming, you got a choice. Either you're going to run into the storm like a fool or you're going to repent and say, God, save me from the storm. How does he save you from the storm? You blow the trumpet again. You say, God, blow the trumpet, and then you blow the trumpet and say, God, I hear you. I heard your trumpet. I heard your warning. I hear you. And I'm going to sanctify my space. I'm going to call a fast. I'm going to call a solemn assembly. Watch this now, 16 verse. This is love right here. The Bible tells the leaders, it says, gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. That's the old people. Gather the children and those that suck breasts. Even the married people, let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. He's like he say, call when you call this Solomon, don't leave nobody out. Get the old people, bring the babies, bring the married people. Why? Because he's letting us know, right, that our family needs to be in this sacred place with him. Why are you calling them out of their bride chamber? Y'all got to understand because on, 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 on your marriage night, what you trying to do? You trying to get busy. God said, you ain't got no time for that right now. I just blew the trumpet. I just blew the trumpet. Y'all need to be worried about going to hell. Like, come come out the thing and get in this place of safety and then everything else. Y'all put dating, y'all put all this stuff before God. And none of that going to start when the last trumpet blow. We ain't going to talk about that today. Hallelujah. In the twinkling of an eye. Lord, I thank you. Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar, right? Y'all got to understand, in this Old Testament, right, you couldn't go to God for you. The priest had to go into the Holy of Holies for you for the remission of your sins. But Jesus, that's the 17th verse, that's victory. Jesus gives us access. We can approach God today and say, like, because of Jesus, if you accept Jesus on today, you have access to the Father. Nobody got to be between, like, I don't have to stand between you and what God got for you. You can go to him on your own. I'm just a messenger delivering you the word, letting you know the process to get to him. And it's not me. The Bible says it's but one way to the Father. It's Jesus. Don't be looking at me. I can't save you. Right. 18th verse says, then the Lord would be jealous for his land and pity his people. When you cry out to him, God will say, man, these locusts tearing them up. Let me rescue. Let me rescue. Why would he rescue if you don't think nothing wrong? If you saying it's all good, then what? You don't need no savior. Cause you, you straight. Lord, I thank you. The 19th verse says, Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and you shall be satisfied wherewith, therewith. Right? So when the locusts eat up everything in the world, where does your provision come from? It comes from the Lord. He says, I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. See, let me explain this to you. Oh, y'all say, Pastor, going in. I'm like, ain't gonna keep reading all these verses. I'm gonna keep reading these verses because we need them. Amen. Right? 
Let me explain something to y'all. Right? Lord, I thank you. When it says, hallelujah, when it says, uh, you will no longer be a reproach among the heathen. See, when I was in the world, you can hate me or dislike me all you want because I was probably lying. I was probably cheating. I was probably stealing. I was probably saying stuff the wrong way and, and, and just adding up. So you got a reason to hate me. When you get in the 19th verse and say you will no longer be a reproach among the heathen, when the heathen say stuff about Christians, they're not mad at you anymore. They're mad at God. So you ain't hate me. You hate God. Y'all, I don't know if y'all caught that. You won't, you ain't, but when I was in the world, you got a reason to hate me. But once I sanctify, once I clean up, once I'm I'm loving you, right? Once I'm loving my wife like Christ loved the church, you take all excuses from people. When they start telling you, well, you do this and you no. I'm living right. I'm living all I know. And if something's wrong, I'm gonna repent and I'm gonna turn and I'm gonna make it right. So you can't, I don't know, there might be something going on in you, because that ain't that ain't the truth right there. God had time, I'm a new creature. So you so you mad at the word now. You mad at God now. You ain't mad at me. It's, it's, it's something about you at this point. Oh Lord, I thank you. 20th verse says, but I will remove far off from you. The northern army I will drive him to the land of the barren and the desolate, his face toward the east sea. God just keeps moving. In the 21st verse, he says, fear not. 21 is distress. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, right? You don't have to be in distress anymore. God says, the Lord will do great things. If you will turn, if you will surrender, the Lord will do great. He will do great things. You don't have to be in distress anymore. 22 says, be not afraid of the beast of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree bears the fruit in the field. Like, you don't have to be afraid. The earth is going to, like, things are going to start working out in your favor. 23, be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord. Can y'all see how the tone of the book has shifted after you blow the horn, after the 15th verse? After you sanctify, can you see, right? It's not dark and gloomy anymore. Things are coming back to life. That's why I say the imagery is beautiful. Lord, I thank you. And I'm going to go down to the 27th verse and then I'm going to be done. I mean the 28th verse. And after all these things, after God starts renewing and restoring, right after he saves and after he delivers, there's yet more to come. There's, a, there, 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 there's deeper depths and high heights in Christ. 28 says, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon our flesh. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. Right? And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servant and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. That's what we want. When you sanctify your space, if every single person in this church would sanctify your space, imagine what types of moves of God we would see. Right? When Jesus went to his hometown and miracles were not performed, why? Why did he say they weren't performed? Because they didn't what? They didn't believe. It was a lack of faith. If you would sanctify your space on the day, 
There's no doubt in my mind that God would move in your life. Now, y'all got to understand that the disclaimer is when you sanctify your space and God begins to do great things and he begins to move, does that mean you're not going to suffer? No, that does not mean that. It does not mean that. Why? Because you still die here in a simple world. Your space might be changing, but that don't mean everybody around you changing. That mean everybody around you. Just because you decide to get your life together don't mean everybody else going to get their life together. Right? But things will begin to turn around in your life. And you'll start to do what? You'll start to push forward. Y'all can stay in the same spot if you want to. I want to push forward. I want to move forward. We haven't really talked a lot about it, but the number 23 means what? Resurrection. Right? I want to push forward. I want my life every single year to be renewed and restored. I want something new to happen in Christ Jesus. Every year, every hour, every month, every moment, every minute. God is calling us to that on today. Amen? God is calling us to that on today. Sanctify your space. Declare your life. Blow the trumpet. Let God know you're ready. Make a solemn assembly. Amen. Get serious. Get serious. Get serious about the things of God. I, I often I often ask myself like, and I know I thank God for my wife because she will make me rest. But sometimes I just be like, if I ain't doing this, then what am I doing? If I'm not trying to to, to right? Imagine being born to do something and then you don't do it. I don't want I don't want to live a life of unfulfillment. I went called to work for the school. Like I went called for that. Lord, I thank you for my job, but that's not my calling. Like, my calling is what I'm doing right now. Whether y'all receive it or not, I want God to say to me, good and well done. Whether it's received by, this is what I like. I love that about Jesus when you read it. In Luke. I love that Jesus say, I came, to, I came to set the captives free. I came to give sight to the blind. I love people that are able to verbalize their calling. Don't tell me where I think I want to be a, a, a dentist. I'm like, okay. I love when people say, you know what, Pastor? I think I'm called to go out and, and work in the, in the group home. And, or, like, I, I, love, I love when you know what you're called to do. Why? Because Jesus knew exactly. Right? That man lived like 30-some years. He didn't have when, when he was 12 and he got lost. And, and his mom been looking for him. He said, don't y'all know I got to be about my father at 12? He said, don't y'all know I got to be about my father's business? I don't care about y'all looking for me. I'm at the temple schooling folks. Jesus was on the like he, he, he was on the go for God from 12. Why 12? That's adulthood. That's the age of accountability. That's when from the time you know to do right, you should be trying to serve Jesus. And some of y'all thinking you got time. You don't have that much time. You don't know. Go visit the graveyard. I bet you they didn't know the exact day they were going to die. Even if you're on the machine, you still don't know what day they're going to pull the thing out. You don't know. Sanctify yourself. 
Declutter your life. Blow the trunk. Get serious. Say, God, I'm serious. Stand up. Stand up. Say everything that's not like God. I don't care if it's in your children. Curse it. I didn't say curse your children. I said curse whatever is not of God in your children. That lying spirit. That Curse, I curse it. This will not stand. I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life until I see God move. I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to calling out this pride in your life. To calling out this life. To calling out this foolishness. That's my aim as a parent. God gave you to me to steward you. I'm going to raise you. I'm going to raise you in the word so that you will not depart from Call it out. Stand up. Stand up. Men, take the lead in your house. Stand up. And the lead in your house is not being bossed. The lead in your house is this right here. This right here. This right here make a woman submit. This right here. Not quoting the scripture to her. Living the scripture. Why? Because you can't, you can't, she can she can fight with you, but she can't fight with God. Can't fight with him. She's gonna lose every time. Lord, I thank you. Sanctify. Okay, I got to hit the shadow because I keep going. Y'all gonna stood up. Y'all gave me some energy. I want to keep going. Hallelujah. Sanctify your space. Blow the trumpet. Today. Today. I blew the trumpet. But I got you the warning. Now it's your turn. Say, God, I heard. Amen. Amen. Y'all come on with me. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus.